0: Hey there, my name is Andy. So glad that you are with us this morning. And we are going through this series called Yafi, You Asked For It. And I want you to be introduced to Laura. There's going to be a picture on your screen of Laura. This is Laura. And in 2017, she had a wedding, a summer wedding. She spent $12,000 US on her dress, roughly $18,000 Canadian. She had a five-layered cake, four bridesmaids, and 70 guests. It's amazing, right? Celebrating love between a man and a woman for life is amazing and it's great. Yet, as you can see, she didn't marry her Prince Charming, she married herself. That's right, she married herself. It's called sologamy. And since 2014, marrying yourself has been a trend all around our world. Sologamy is about loving yourself better, celebrating your unique individuality, and being committed to yourself rather than trying to find love by somebody else. You might look at this and be like, what is our world coming up to? Seriously, marrying yourself is a thing? Oh God, help us. Perhaps you feel this way. Yet when we dig a little deeper, even into our own lives and our own hearts, I think we are close to marrying ourselves than you think. The Bible calls this selfishness or self centeredness. It is when we put ourselves first or above others, even God. Have you ever done that before? Been there before? Of course, we all have. The Bible says this about self centeredness it is someone who follows sin and deplete, displeases God rather than someone who pleases God. It is someone who's controlled by the sinful passage, passions of this world rather than being controlled by the Spirit of the living God. It is someone who misuses their freedom in Christ to sin rather than use their freedom to show Jesus Christ to their world. A selfish person is someone who's disobedient to God's will rather than obedient to God's will. Someone who's self-centered, is self-indulgent rather than self-sacrificing. It is someone, as Galatians talks about, it displays the fruit of sin rather than the fruit of the Spirit. And it's someone who doesn't recognize the need for forgiveness and is boastful of self, rather than someone who is recognizing forgiveness and praises Jesus for what they have done. Imagine with me today if my relationship with my wife, Annick, was all about what I could get out of that relationship. It would be something like this. Hey honey, can you make me a sandwich at every request? Like what a dream. Or perhaps I would want my wife, Annick, to be a sugar mama, like have lots of money. That would be amazing or that she's always happy with me, even when I have done something wrong. Imagine what that would look like. Now, imagine, it too, if Annick, my wife, could get anything that she wanted out of the relationship with me. Well, obviously, she would want a sugar daddy, someone who had lots of money, or someone who would take out the trash without forgetting it. Or, this would probably be the biggest one, she would want me to be an HGTV expert and do it at your own professional in-home renovation construction worker. She would love that to be about our relationship. Imagine what that would look like. Now, relationships are not about what you and I can get, but what you and I can give. In fact, my marriage would be quite boring and dull and dry if it was all about what I can get rather than what we can do to serve one another. In the same way, in a small way, This is what a Christ-centered life looks like in a self-centered world. A Christ-centered life is what you and I can give rather than take. It's how we can serve rather than be served. It's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts or what I can get out of my relationship with Jesus. It is about relationship, not religion. You see, has your relationship with God fallen into a boring, dull reality of do's and don'ts? If it has, your relationship with Jesus is far more about what you can get out of it rather than actually have a relationship with Jesus. And if Jesus isn't the center of your life, your life will be centered around something or someone else. I call it the religion of self. So what does a Christ-centered life actually look like in a self-centered world? What does it mean to have a life centered around Christ? How do you know the difference between a Christ-centered life and a self-centered life? Well, this is a question that you asked during the You Asked For It series this summer, and we are going to attempt to answer this question. You see, simply put, at Broadway Church, a Christ-centered life is a life who believes what Jesus believes, teaches what Jesus teaches, loves as Jesus loves, and lives as Jesus lives. Well, what does that actually mean? Well, this is what a fully devoted follower of Jesus looks like, who has experienced the purest love imaginable and expressing this love to all other areas of life. You see, the Apostle Paul actually wrote about this too, to his friends in Rome, which is the center of Roman thought and philosophy, power, prestige, and culture. And Paul was addressing how to have a a Christ-centered life in a self-centered world. This is what he said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Now, let's pause there for a quick sec, because Paul is actually talking about what Christ has done for you and I. The first chapter, or first 11 chapters of Romans talk about what Jesus has done for us. This is what he says. While we were still far from God, God died for you and I. In other way, other words, Christ, in his perfectness, died for our sins. And not only did Jesus die for our sins and our regrets and our brokenness, but he died for our sins so that we can be alive in Christ. This is what Paul says as well. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So not only is there forgiveness of sin, but to be dead to sin and now alive in Christ, but now you and I can experience the purest love imaginable, God's very best for you and I here on earth. This is what he also says in Romans You are now more than conquerors through him who loves us. And because of all these things, therefore, we are able to live a Christ-centered life. So this is what Paul says as well. To offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. So what does it mean to have a Christ-centered life in a self-centered world? Well, as your notes will show you, first, a Christ-centered life is a life around worship. A life around worship. Now, worship is more than singing and lights and skinny jeans. Those are important, but worship, the first thing that we see in your outline is about exalting Christ. You see, Jesus says that when we bring our burdens and concerns to the Lord, he will lift us up. In other words, in worship, when we bring our stuff to the Lord, He speaks to us. Are you allowing God to speak to you in worship? A few years ago, I was in a worship service and I was thinking about everything else rather than worship. Now, COVID, we can't gather together and worship, but does your mind wander in the midst of worship? I know it sure has for me. And in this service, I was wanting to connect with others and I had a discipleship class I had to prepare for and I had all these pastoral follow-up calls that I needed to connect with some parents and I wasn't thinking about exalting God. But in the middle of this worship service, God whispered to me and he said something personally to me. He said this, Andy, I just didn't come to die for your sin, but I've come to die for your pain. You see, I knew what that meant in that moment. It was this extreme emotional heartbreak and pain that I experienced when my brother who decided to take his own life a few years ago it ripped through my family it raged through our emotions and caused relational damage like nothing else. now let me pause for a second maybe you wrestle with self-destructive thoughts or you feel like you need uh, you have dest- self-destructive actions you need to know that God loves you and he- that, that is not God's plan for your life. That he has a great plan on this planet and he has died for you. In fact, there's going to be a text line at the bottom of, of the screen at the end of this message. I encourage you to connect with a pastor. You might feel that you're doing this on your own with his self-destructive thoughts, but you are not alone, friend. We encourage you to be reaching out. To this day, if I was really honest to you, I feel anger and sadness and I'm mad at times and numb, all in the same context. Yet in this worship service, God spoke to me deeply. You see, in the same way, worship is designed for you and I to connect with God deeply. When we read through the Psalms, we see this too. Throughout the book, people who worshiped God in their raw emotion, their pain, their burdens, Their sin, they lifted up to the Lord, and God would speak personally and uniquely. God gave wisdom to some, healing to others, hope and renewal, and revealed that they were not alone even when they were fighting and felt alone. You see, worship is when God speaks to us deeply. And in that worship service, I felt the healing power of God during worship. Are you experiencing God through worship? Are you going deep with God so that he can heal you and transform you and give you a new heart? So worship is, is not just simply about a bunch of songs. It's about exalting and lifting up the Lord. And as we lift up our burdens, he reaches down and meets us where we're at. But secondly, worship is not just about those things. It's about living for Christ, as your outline says, living for Christ. Worship is a response to what Christ has done for you and I. It is an expression of the purest love imaginable from God. Worship is God's design through music, praise, and obedience to show love to God. In fact, one of Jesus' closest friends said this in 1 John 5.3, This is love for God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome or a weight. You see, relationship with God is not about an act of do's and don'ts or what you can get out of it, but expressing love to God by obeying His commands. Why? Because God's commands are not burdensome. God's commands exist so that you can have an experience, a full life, a purposeful life, a meaningful life. God's very best here on earth. Now think about this for a second. Do you think this self-centered world that you and I live have the very best interest for you and I? Of course not. The decisions that our world make is all about them, not about you and I. Nothing can compare to what God has in store for those who actually worship God by exalting God, actively lifting up our burdens to the Lord and aligning our lives to his commands. Are you actively worshiping God in obedience? So we see worship is not just about exalting God and active obedience, but also humble submission. As your outline will say, it is a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, people had to come to God and give a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. It was to give their very best. And so based on your salary, you would either give a dove, it would be a goat or sheep, it would be a ram or a cow. And once a year, you would go to the house of the Lord and you would confess your sins. You would transfer your sins to the animal and the animal would be put on an altar to be sacrificed. And this is what they would do. Pretend this is the animal. They would put the head of the animal to your head as the household. And you would confess your sins. It would be transferred to this animal. And it would be slaughtered on an altar. It sounds gruesome, doesn't it? It sounds bloody and gory. And Why would God ever do that? Well, it's not because God would do that. It's because sin equals death. And there had to be a sacrifice and yet Jesus, because of Jesus, we don't have to do that anymore. He takes on our mess. He takes us off the altar and he puts himself on the altar as God's very best given to you and I. In the same way, a living sacrifice is giving our very best to God as he has given his very best to us through Jesus Christ. It's like God air dropping Jesus into our lives to experience his very best here on earth. You see, what is that a living sacrifice? Well, a living sacrifice means that we don't live for ourselves anymore. We don't live for culture or career or companies. We are dead to sin and alive in Christ. This is what true worship is. Deeper than a spiritual act or a ritual worship, God calls us to give our very best, appropriate act of worship, our everything. Why? Because God has given his very best to you and to me. Have you given your very best to Him as He has given His very best to you? Well, you will have time after today's talk about experiencing this deep love, His very best for you. So we see that a Christ-centered life is a life around worship. But secondly, as your outline or notes will show us, a Christ-centered life is a life in the Word. Life in the Word. How can you and I grow in our relationship with Jesus? Well, spiritual maturity in the Bible is about growing in faith or shrinking in faith. There's no such thing as stagnant faith. And Jesus puts it this way to the Ephesus church in Revelations 3.20 that you're either hot in your faith or cold in your faith. You're not lukewarm. And if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Jesus is saying there's no such thing as stagnant faith. My question is, is are you growing in your faith or shrinking your faith? So how do you and I grow in our relationship with God? Well, Paul puts it this way, to not conform to the patterns of this world, which means to be set apart, changed, not aligned from the sin virus dominating this evil world. To conform is to be squeezed or to align, to be forced to fit in a mold. Culture wants to squeeze you and I to conform to the patterns of this world. It is like a noose around your neck, solely squeezing you into the pressures of this world. Have you ever been pressured to conform to this world? Of course you have. Maybe it's with your friends or workmates or classmates. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your business. It's trying to squeeze you in the patterns of this self-centered world we live in. It is all around us. You see, the Bible doesn't just talk about sin as an act, but that sin is active wanting to devour you, it lurks over you, it follows you, it trolls you, it spams you, trying to manipulate you to conform to this to its control. How do you become and grow in your relationship with Jesus? Paul simply says, stop conforming to the patterns of this world. And you're like, oh, thanks, Andy. That's a great idea. But how do I actually do that? Well, if you have your cell phone with you, have you ever had it freeze on you before you try to fire a text to someone and and it doesn't work or an app doesn't work you have to reboot the phone so you you do like a manual shutdown and you reboot it and then it works back it reprograms itself in the same way to be reprogrammed to be like christ is being transformed by the renewing of our mind in the same way this happens when we're in god's word is when we allow the Word of God that is sharper than a two edged sword and it cuts through every motive of the mind and every marrow of the heart. It's when we reprogram ourselves to have a Christ centered life through the Word of God. Well, how do we actually do this? Well, your notes will show you first of all, a Christ centered life is a life that actually reads the Word. We need to get into the word of God every day. The word is more than some textbook or some pages with some letters on it or some words on it. It is the active working nature of God. Are you actually in God's word? Secondly, as Christ-centered life, as your notes will show you, is not necessarily just about reading God's word, but responding to God's word. Not only are we called to read it, but to respond, to allow the Word to shape our decisions and grow our character and change our hearts, to obey the Word around tithing and generosity, to share the faith, our faith, to others who are far from God, to love others as Christ has loved us. A Christ-centered life allows the Word of God to be a part of our everyday lives. Not only are we called to read, the God, read God's word or respond to God's word, but thirdly, to reflect on the word, to write it down of what God is doing in your life, in everyday life. We have the word because people wrote God's word down that was spoken to them. In the same way, you and I need to reflect what God is doing in our lives by writing it down. In fact, here at Broadway Church, we have made it actually really easy for you to get into God's word. We call it the Steps Journal. Is a guide for you to read, respond, and reflect what God is doing in your life. And we encourage you to grab one of these at Broadway Church. Throughout the week, you can grab one anytime. It is one of the best investments that you can have about growing in your relationship with Jesus. So we see that a Christ-centered life is a life of worship. We also see that a Christ-centered life is a life of the Word. But thirdly, a Christ-centered life, as you see in your notes, is a life that acts on God's will. God calls you and I to do his will. And you might be saying, well, how do I know God's will? How do I actually do that? Well, your notes will show you that Paul puts it this way. It's able to test and approve. Test and approve God's perfect and pleasing will. It is to live out his will for his very best for you and those around you. And how do you actually do that? Well, as your notes will show you too, it's by a renewed mind. You see, when your mind is renewed by the word of God, you are transformed to actually know God's will. Remember Laura that we talked about? Or remember the first time that we talked about the do's and don'ts and the relationship I have with my wife, Annick? Now, to make the most out of my relationship with Annick, rather than get the most out of her, is to spend time with each other, is to enjoy one another. For me, it's learning to enjoy romantic comedy movies. Maybe you've been there. For Anik, it's trying to enjoy nonfiction sports shows. For me, it's sitting through an HGTV show without my sassy comments. For Anik, it's learning to enjoy a hike or a walk with me up some mountain. For us, it's spending uninterrupted time with each other. It's the discipline to wake up early or to stay up late, even though we are tired or spent or maybe even cranky, to simply spend time with one another. This is what God desires too. This is what God wants to have with you. His will is to spend time with you. This pleases God. This is when we get to know God and understand His will as we worship Him based on what He has done for us. And when we get into His word. You see, someone who pleases God is someone who pursues the will of God for their life. How? Simply put, by having a transformed mind. Being renewed by the word. So a Christ-centered life is more than rules and ret- rituals it's about having a dynamic relationship with the living God and this leads us to the big idea today where we sum up today's teaching in one simple phrase and it's also in your notes a Christ-centered life is a spirit-controlled life let me say that again a Christ-centered life is a spirit-controlled life a Christ-centered life is a life that lives to worship God out of a response of God's great mercy for them a Christ-centered life is someone who doesn't conform to the patterns of this world, but is transformed by the renewing of their mind. A Christ-centered life desires to please God by pursuing his will in everyday life. And a Christ-centered life is a spirit-controlled life. In other words, God now lives within you. God is controlling you. He empowers you to live this life out as believing what Jesus believes, teaching what Jesus taught, loving as Jesus loved and living as Jesus lived. Do you need to have a Christ centered relationship with the living God today in a self centered world? Are you tired of the boring, dull rituals of tradition or religion rather than having a personal dynamic relationship with Jesus? Are you bored perhaps of the cultural religion of self and want to be a spiritual sacrifice because of what Jesus has done for you? Before I pray with you, I do want to let you know that there is a text line on your screen. You can connect with a pastor anytime if you're looking to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus. Why? Because we're here to serve you as you desire to have a Christ-centered life in our self-centered world. Let me pray. Lord, we pause today, even through a screen, that whoever's listening to this, and they want to make a decision to have a Christ-centered life, that Lord, they would confess their sins to you, that they would allow their lives to be a living sacrifice of worship, that they would get into your word by getting a steps journal and that they would desire to pursue your very best, which is your will. Father, I pray that they would understand that life is so much richer when we focus on a Christ-centered life rather than a self-centered life here on this world. And Lord, I pray for the ones that are perhaps Christians or followers of Jesus that have fallen into the do's and dotes of religion, that have fell into the dull, boring reality of just doing church but not necessarily having a relationship with you. Lord, I pray that they would confess their sins and come back to you, that they would use the text line below this screen so that they can connect with a pastor and move to the next step in their faith. And we pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.